Genesis worship team, thank you for loving us well, and thank you for leading us well this morning. My name is Michael. I serve as one of the pastors here at Genesis, and very thankful that you're taking time to be with us uh, this Sunday morning. Now, before we look at uh, the question that was posed to Jesus, and by the way, I think this is a question that every single one of us has asked at least at one point in our life, I wanted to ask you to consider this question. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, and you're pouring out your heart to them, whether it's maybe fears or worries or concerns that you have, and when you're done sharing, pouring out your heart with this person, there's just absolute silence. Now, initially, you're thinking to yourself, wow, I'm so thankful that they're just pondering everything that I've shared, and they're thinking thoughtfully before they give me a response. But after like a minute or two goes by, and there's still a lot of silence on the other person's end, you start thinking, wow, they are seriously processing everything that I have been saying. I cannot wait to hear what wisdom they drop on me. And then you look over to your friend, and you realize they're not actually processing anything. They've completely fallen asleep on you. Now, I won't tell you who this was, but this exact scenario has happened on more than one occasion in the Davis household. Now, for argument's sake, let's just say it was Kyla who had fallen asleep on me when I had been pouring out my heart to her. How do you think, how would you envision that would make me feel? I'm pouring out my heart and she has completely fallen asleep on me. Or maybe another question to ask would be, well, what conclusions would I come to based on her sleeping when I'm pouring out my heart to her? I think obviously we could come to the conclusion, well, clearly she doesn't care about you. Clearly she doesn't love you. Clearly she's not even interested in what you are going through. Now, it's one thing if your spouse or maybe a close friend falls asleep on you when you are pouring out your heart to them. But what happens when you feel like God has fallen asleep on you? What happens when you're going through something and you're pouring out your heart and you feel like God's response is silence because He's sleeping on you? What conclusions would you make if that happened to you? The question posed to Jesus, really the question that was screamed at Jesus Uh, is a question I'm guessing that all of us have either asked, if not screamed, at God before. If you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 4, and I want to read to you the question that was asked to Jesus. This is in Mark chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are drowning. Now, you may not have ended your question with drowning, but how many of us have asked the question, don't you care that my marriage and my family is falling apart right now? Don't you care that I'm not married yet? Jesus, don't you care that my child has completely walked away from God? Jesus, don't you care that I just got fired, that I lost my job? Jesus, don't you care that I just was diagnosed with cancer or maybe even COVID-19? See, the list of don't you care and you can fill in the blank with whatever you want could be really, really long, but I think the assumption behind the question 
is often based on two things. The assumption being, if God cared, He would have either prevented this storm from happening in my life, or, assumption two, He would be working overtime to get me out of the storm rather than sleeping in the midst of the storm. What I want us to understand up front with this question, this question of don't you care, is this. Wrong assumptions lead to wrong conclusions, and wrong conclusions lead to wrong questions. Wrong assumptions that we make will lead to wrong conclusions, and wrong conclusions will lead to wrong, answer, or wrong questions that we begin asking. Now, I know that we've grown up in a culture where we're told there are no bad questions or there are no wrong questions. I don't mean to disappoint you, but that's just not true. Questions reveal what's in the heart, and what's in the heart is not often good. When the disciples asked or screamed at Jesus, don't you care? Well, that one question revealed some assumptions being made that put a spotlight on a conclusion that they had made about Jesus. Namely, you don't care about us because we're dying right now. But what I love about this question, a question I certainly can relate with because I've asked that many times, uh, uh, what I love about this story is one thing becomes crystal clear as we walk through this story, and it's this, Jesus cares. The one thing that we will see with absolute clarity in this story is Jesus cares. Now, let's continue reading in part of this story where this question is found. Start in uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to His disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to, began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. Now, in the Sea of Galilee, it was not uncommon that storms or squalls like this would appear or come out of nowhere. But what's ironic about this scene is it's the carpenter who's sleeping on the boat and the fishermen who are well experienced with storms like this are the ones that are freaking out in this moment. Now, before we maybe wrestle with the obvious question of how is it possible that Jesus is sleeping during such a fierce storm when the fishermen, the experienced ones, are in an absolute panic mode freaking out right now? Well, before we think about that question, let's wrestle with this question first. How was Jesus asleep when He knew the storm would be coming? How is it possible that Jesus was asleep when He knew that the storm was coming? Jesus said to His disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Did Jesus not know what would happen along the way? Of course He knew exactly what was going to happen. So many times in the Gospels, it's clear that Jesus would know what's going on in people's hearts and minds. In the Gospels, we see time and time again, Jesus would know in advance what was actually going to happen. So if Jesus knew the storm would come, how on earth is Jesus actually taking a nap? Maybe consider it this way. If you knew that a Category 5 hurricane was about to come on you in less than an hour, how many of you would be like, you know what, 
I'm just going to go take a nap real quick, knowing that a hurricane, Category 5 storm, is coming upon you. I'm pretty confident that not one of us, if we had that knowledge, would actually be sleeping and taking a nap. But Jesus, knowing that a storm is coming, is found taking a nap. How is that possible? I think the answer is pretty simple. Jesus is bigger than the storm. Jesus is bigger than the storm. No matter how big the storm is, Jesus is bigger. He is always bigger. His sleeping was not a sign of his indifference towards his friends, towards the disciples. His sleeping was a signpost to his power and to his authority over the storm. But not to be missed, having Jesus in this boat did not actually prevent the storm from coming. You see, I think there's this common idea, this misconception, that if I have Jesus in my boat, a.k.a. my life, then I will be protected and guarded from any and every storm that could possibly come my way in life. And just so you know, there's no such thing as a stormless sea. Similarly, there's no such thing as a stormless life. Storms are a reality of life. Storms will come unexpectedly. Storms will come uninvited. Storms will often arrive at the worst possible moment in time, and storms will show up in a variety of ways. Sometimes it will be an emotional storm, or a relational storm, or a financial storm, or a physical storm. Just because you know Jesus and He's in your boat does not mean that you will be protected from the storms that will come your way in life. But let me ask you this question. If the storm didn't phase Jesus, is it possible that the storm shouldn't phase us? If it didn't phase Him, is it possible that when the storm comes, no matter what the storm might be, that it shouldn't phase us as well? Maybe another way to ask that is, if the disciples would have been fully aware of who was actually in their boat, was there any need for them to be in full-blown panic mode? If they would have realized who Jesus was, I'm guessing someone in that boat would have stopped and acknowledged, hey guys, you know, if Jesus is resting right now, maybe we should be resting as well. Because I think what happens for many of us is that when the storm shows up and whatever that storm might look like, We think that our job is to worry and to begin freaking out for the both of us. But like the disciples in the boat, if we lose sight of who Jesus is, not only will there be panic when the storm comes, but we will begin to question Jesus' heart towards us, don't you care? I mean, how many times have you either asked that question or maybe even wondered that question, don't you care? Marriage and family, storm comes. Jesus, don't you care? Career, finance, storm comes. Don't you care? Diagnose of cancer or whatever the disease might be, the storm comes. Jesus, don't you care? Whatever the storm might be, how often Have you asked the question, don't you 
care? Well, how did Jesus respond to their question of, don't you care? How does Jesus respond when we ask that question? Read with me in verse 39 of Mark chapter 4. When Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind, and He said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. What a picture of grace. Jesus doesn't actually rebuke the disciples for making an assumption that led to a conclusion that He doesn't care about them. Jesus rebuked the wind and He rebukes the waves. Jesus answers their question, but not with a word spoken to them. Jesus answers their question with a word spoken to the wind and waves. What a beautiful picture. At the word of Jesus, a great storm becomes a great calm. Jesus has power over the storm. Jesus has authority over the storm. Why? Because Jesus is bigger than the storm. Now, before we take a look at what happened in the boat next, I just want to draw our attention very quickly to what I'll call a small but really important detail in this story. In verse 36, it said, other boats followed. Such a small detail that you might skip over that and be like, okay, other boats followed. Well, remember, the disciples, they were not the only ones on the water that night, meaning there were others who experienced the storm, which means there were others who experienced the same calm. I don't know about you, but I would have loved to been one of the others that night out on the water. Because I have to think, I would be thinking to myself, in the midst of a storm, now there's a great calm. I'm wondering, I would love to know what just happened in the boat with Jesus in it. Have you ever noticed that when a storm comes in your life, whatever shape the storm comes in, that storms have a very unique ability to get us thinking often and exclusively about one thing, the one thing being us. But This small detail, which I'm really thankful Mark included in this story, reminds me of just one simple but powerful truth, and it's this. The work of God does not just impact me, but those around me. The work of God does not just impact me. It impacts those that are around me. When Jesus answered the disciples' question of, don't you care, His answer was not only felt by the disciples, His answer was felt by the others that were on the lake that night. Let me ask you the question, have, can you think of a time when God moved in someone else's storm in such a way that it actually brought encouragement to you? That God moved in someone else's storm in such a way that you being the other on the outside of that looked and saw how good or how powerful God is. One of my um, closest friends, his name is Ian. I've known Ian for about 15 years. When I first met Ian 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I also met his daughter. And his daughter at the time was about seven years old. And when she was two or three years old, she was diagnosed with a very rare form of uh, disease that they knew would take her life at a very young age. And walking with my friend uh, Ian as he watched his daughter Jenny get older and older, uh, and watch her health just progressively get worse. 
and worse. Man, I have never seen someone weather a storm with just such grace. And I remember night, uh, two nights before his daughter went to heaven to be with the Lord, spending time with Ian in the hospital, so amazed that as he's getting ready to say goodbye to his 12-year-old daughter, I just had never seen up close just the power and the presence and the purposes of God being accomplished in someone's life through such a challenging, challenging storm like that. Can you think of a time when God used someone else's storm to remind you of God's power or God's presence or even God's purposes? Now, I would love to stop the message right here because it's a really good point to stop. I mean, after all, this is a happily ever after ending. Jesus is bigger. The disciples went from panic and the the storm dissipated and even the other people on the lake are now safe and sound. And it's a great place to end. And honestly, isn't that what we really want in life? We just want some semblance of calm in our life from all the storms that we will go through in life. Calm is certainly nice. I love calm. But the story does not end with a question that was screamed at Jesus. The story actually ends with a question that Jesus now asks the disciples, ultimately asks us as well. This is the question Jesus posed to them and I think poses to us this morning in verse 40 and 41. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. We want the storms around us to be calmed, but Jesus wants the storm within us to be exposed. Why are you so afraid, was Jesus' question. Why is there so much fear within you? Now, this question would have made sense if Jesus had asked that before the calm came. If Jesus would have asked that in the midst of the, the storm and the chaos of this squall, well, the disciples would be like, Jesus, just open your eyes. Look at the wind and the waves and the water coming into the boat. But Jesus asked this question, why are you afraid when it was actually now calm? The fear was not produced by the storm. The fear was actually produced by the calm. Where there was once fear of the storm, there was now fear of the one who was bigger than the storm. This question from Jesus is not one of those questions that you answer quickly. It's a question from Jesus intended to stir some reflection within each of us. Clearly storms no matter what form they come in our lives, are difficult. But this is why I am so thankful for storms, because storms reveal stuff. Storms have a way of revealing stuff. And I'm using the word stuff as this big junk drawer category for all the stuff we can't see, but it's the stuff that God wants us to see. I'm talking about the stuff that often hinders us from experiencing the heart of God because of what's in our hearts towards God. I'm talking about the stuff that often hinders others in our lives from experiencing God because of what is in our hearts towards God. 
what we often want is we just want rescue. We just want relief from the storm. But what Jesus wants is revelation that will ultimately lead to faith in Him. This was Jesus' final question for them. Do you still have no faith? And His question, Jesus' question, reveals His heart for them. His question ultimately reveals His heart for all of us as well. This story has little to do with how to navigate the storms of life. This, this story is so much bigger than that. This story is actually so much better than that. This story is really about one thing. The story is about faith in Jesus. It's that simple. This story is about having faith, placing faith in Jesus. If we choose to place our faith in other places or other people, when the storms come, and they will, we will be people who are absolutely filled with fear. Why? Because there is only one who is actually bigger than the biggest storm you or I will ever face, and His name is Jesus. Now, this is where it would be easy just to say or to think, well, if Jesus would just speak to the calm, uh, speak calm to the wind and the waves that are crashing down in my life right now, well, I would place my faith in Jesus without hesitation or reservation. If He would do for me what He did for them, no problem. If Jesus would just calm all of these storms in my life, Without hesitation or reservation, I would place my faith in Him. What I don't want any one of us to miss this morning is this. The greatest storm humanity ever faced was not a financial storm, was not an emotional storm, was not a physical storm, wasn't a racial storm. The greatest storm humanity ever faced was actually the storm between God and humanity. When man sinned against God, that one act separated us from God, eternally speaking, where hell became our new reality. So if you're saying, gosh, I would believe in Jesus, I'd place my faith in Jesus without hesitation or reservation, if He would just speak calm over my greatest storm, He's already done that in the cross. Jesus has already spoken calm over our greatest storm on the cross. Jesus answered the question of, don't you care, on the cross. In the face of humanity's greatest storm, our eternal separation from God, Jesus stretched out His arms on a cross, and He said, this is how much I care. This is how much I care. Even if we are not rescued from what I will call the temporary storms of life, no matter how big and bad they might be. Jesus has rescued us from an eternal storm so that we could be with God now, but throughout eternity. This morning, we're going to take five minutes. And what I'm going to invite you to do, whether you are by yourself or with maybe family or friends, is take five minutes to just enter into a posture of reflection. And the question that I want each of us to reflect on, whether you are a Christian or whether you would say, I'm not a Christian, I haven't made that decision yet. What I want you to reflect, what I'm inviting you to reflect on is the same question that Jesus asked the disciples. Why are you afraid? Is there a fear that is keeping you 
from having an unconditional faith in Jesus. Take five minutes to reflect. Why are you afraid?
Well, thank you for being with us this Sunday morning. I hope that you were both encouraged and challenged by the question uh, that we talked about this morning, why are you afraid? And this question has probably left you with maybe some more questions or some steps that you actually want to take this morning. And we want to hear about those questions and we want to hear about those steps that you want to take. And to do that, we encourage you to go to the comments section in YouTube or in Facebook and you will see a link called My Next Step. And if you fill that out, if you're looking to start a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you want to recommit your life to God, or maybe you just have questions about how to get involved in Genesis or get involved with a community to help you walk uh, in your faith, then we would love to hear from you. And if you fill that out, uh, one of our leaders will get back to you. So thank you again for joining us this morning. We love you. We miss you. We can't wait to see you again. We hope you have an awesome day and an incredible rest of the week. Grace and peace be with you, and peace out.